The Sportscaster and Her Son is brought to you by Electroflex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years. Makers of Liquitite Flexible Conduit, electrically connecting our world. Hello and welcome to the Sportscaster and Her Son, where sports bridges the gap between the generations. I'm your host, Peggy Kaczynski, 12-time Emmy Award-winning sportscaster at NBC Chicago for 17 years. I am the baby boomer, and this is... And I'm Stella, Peggy's daughter, and I'm 11, and I'm bored. (laughs) Is that true? You are bored? Yeah. Hi, Stella. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. Thank you for having me. Uh, Oh, my God. That is so cute. That is so funny that you were like, thank you for having me. Um, If you haven't guessed by now, Jason is not joining us for this episode during the COVID-19 pandemic. And I'm going to be brutally honest, since this show, typically we try to bridge the gap between the generations. As many of you know, uh, Jason and I talk sports, right? Well, it's day 35 since most of our sports leagues have stopped playing. And with no sports to talk about, well, I mean, there's little things in sports to talk about. We do have the draft coming up. We do have the Michael Jordan documentary coming up, but there's no games to talk about. And to be honest with you, Jason's really having a tough time dealing with no games, no sports, staying home. Here in the Chicagoland area, we have a stay-at-home edict. So I'd love to make it sound like it's all rosy and everything is great here. And boy, we are here to show you how to cope with COVID-19. But the reality is it's not easy in our household either. Jason is 17. He misses his friends. He misses his girlfriend. He misses his senior days at school. He's missing his prom talk and potentially graduation. And every day that we listen to the news, it just seems like it's more of the same. A lot of talk, not a lot of action. And so there's not a lot of motivation coming out of my teenagers, to be honest with you. We're taping this on Wednesday, April 15th. So, I mean, I guess the update is that the Cubs are using Wrigley Field's concourse for collecting PP donations. Um, their hotel, Zachary, is going to be available to local hospital workers in Chicago. Soldier Field has been used for uh, donations. The United Center is being used. The White Sox, Blackhawks, Bulls, Cubs, Chicago Fire, WNBA Sky, um, the Red Stars, every team in the Chicagoland area, just like many of you in your towns, in your cities, Everyone's stepping up financially. They're also donating their space because these arenas are not being used. Um, Every league is coming up with plans to play. So Stella, hang on one second. We are going to talk in a second. I just want to bring our listeners up to to date on what's going on. So like I said, it's, it's day 35. Wednesday, April 15th, that we are taping this. And Dr. Fauci, many people know he's a celebrity in his own right now. He's um, the guy from the White House Coronavirus Task Force, infectious disease expert. So he said that there is a way sports could happen this summer. According to Yahoo Sports, Dr. Fauci said that the rinks and stadiums being filled with fans is not an option in the foreseeable future. So as of the middle of April, it's not an option that we are going to go to games in the foreseeable future. Um, Games with no fans still seems to be a possibility. 
Uh, the president is once again meeting with league owners, having a conference call to discuss getting sports going again because many people feel like sports is like the the psychological barometer for Americans. Um, neutral sites, highly controlled settings like quarantined camps for teams and their families might be a possibility. But you think about it, everyone involved, every athlete, coach, the team personnel, family member, they'd all have to be in the quarantine and they would all have to follow the rules. And there's still some vulnerable groups within the athletes, the coaches, team personnel, um, families, whether you have outside medical issues, whether it's your age or whatnot. So it just seems like there's so much planning still to go on and, um, we were all really enthusiastic the first couple of weeks, but man, day 35, this is, this is getting hard. So Stella, let's, let's talk to you about this a little bit. Um, are you even a sports fan? Yeah, for some sports really interest me, but other sports just really bore me. Like gymnastics, I love watching on TV and like football and basketball and baseball. Those I have started to understand with, like, Jason and, like, you and Dad talking about it a lot. But, like, other sports that, like, we don't watch that much just really bore me, like, soccer. Like, I, I don't like soccer. Okay, so let's go back to gymnastics. Um, do you miss gymnastics? You you have not been able to have your regionals, your state um, practices. Uh, you It's so odd because we are in the winter. You're not even on the trampoline in the backyard. You've missed gymnastics now for like 35 days. Do you miss yeah. it? Yeah, I miss like, I miss the practices and like my coaches and stuff. But a lot of my friends have like, it was their last year here and they didn't even know that they were going to compete their last meet on the last meet that we had. And I just really miss like regionals and state and stuff and seeing my friends at practices and knowing that like next year if we do go back like the time that we are going to for practice. Some of my friends just aren't going to be there. And it's just going to be like, you won't really see them again after that. And you know, it's, it's really strange. This is one way that, um, real athletes, professional athletes, college athletes, uh, how we all can relate together. It makes everyone human that we're missing our friendships. We're missing hanging out. We're missing, you know, some people are going through pay cuts and some people aren't working and some people are layoffs. You know, some of the teams are having layoffs and stuff. Um, you know, and you're 11 years old and you're missing sports. Is it weird not having sports on all the time in the house like it used to be? Yeah, it's weird that every Sunday it's just like Jason's in his room or Shay's like, in the basement working out or I'm like downstairs and I expect for like football to be on or like anything, like any sport to be on, but it's just like the TV's off and there's like nothing to do. And like everyone isn't like watching sports like it usually is. And now that like I started to get used to it now, but like when it first start, like when it first started, it was just weird. It was just like not normal. It was yeah. just the news on like 24 seven. So what are you doing to keep busy? During COVID-19? Um, I'm like, when it's nice out, I'm riding my bike around the neighborhood and like just finding things to do outside. But I do have to do like online school, which really is not the best thing. <laughs> but I mean, it's rather, it's better, it's better than making up days in the summer that would be like actual better than what it is now. 
But if I don't have school, I just like sit around in my room if it's cold out and do just about nothing. So what do you think about the whole COVID-19? Um, it's scary and like for a lot of people, it's really scary for like how much you go out and how much you have to work and like how many cases there are in your town or city. But like I've learned just like don't really go to anywhere except outside when it's nice out. Did you understand it when it first started? Did you understand what was going on? Uh, when it first started, it was just like, it wasn't really that big of a deal because it was like uh, fully across the world. Mm-hmm. And like, it wasn't really spreading to America like so fast. And I remember saying to my mom on the way to gymnastics practice. That would once, be me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, same thing. <laughs> um, I remember saying like, I don't think it's going to get to America because, like, we have such good medical help, but now it's, like, actually here, and it's worse than anyone would think about it. And we just reacted to it so late. Like, I feel like like the whole, like, the country should have just shut down things sooner. That's interesting coming from an 11-year-old. Have you even learned about viruses and sinus? What what did you just say? Corona corona beer? Yeah, I prefer you saying that. Okay, you're 11. Stop. Um, Have you even learned about viruses and science yet? Um, I don't really know. Well, yeah, but like, we don't really get, we should have by now, but none of our class really pays attention and I'll talk, so we're like halfway behind. Do you feel like now you know more about yeah. Viruses than you've ever learned before just because of yeah, but like, COVID-19? Kind of, but sometimes it's like all viruses are different than others. So like like this one is like, they said it's like spreading like faster than any other. And it's like, so if that is like, you wouldn't expect every other virus to be just like this. Like all of them are different. So you just have to like pay attention. So kind of, not really. Do you understand... Um, when something goes viral on the internet, yeah, that that's the same idea yeah. as a virus. Yeah, that all it takes is one person to see it, to share it, or to share it and like it, and then a bunch of other thousands, hundred thousands, and it can just start with one, and then two people share it, and, and then, then three people then get it, and then exactly five hundred thousand, then hundred thousand. So it's the same. It's a lot of the same ideas is um, what we see going viral on the Internet is um, associated with viruses. Um, How are you doing now, now that you've been in it 35 days? Um, I've I've been like better than like I thought it was going to be like at first when like school was like canceled for three weeks. Um. I thought it wasn't like because there was no cases in like where we live, so mm-hmm. um, I didn't I didn't really think it was going to be like that spreading so fast. And I was thinking all I have to do is just stay home and like just wear gloves and a mask. But now it's like you have to stay home. Like you like you can't really go anywhere without being like fully covered. And like in school, like I like I want to go back to school so bad, like see my friends, but like. I have to say, I don't think we're going to go back to school this year. And I think my next year, school year might even like, like delay. And how does that make you feel that you may not be going back to school? It just like, I I can't really say anything because like, I don't know how like all the seniors and eighth graders and like the people that are just graduating from eighth grade, senior years, like 
like senior in college, like I don't know how they feel. Like so, I can't really say like I feel I feel like heartbroken that like my school year's ruined because their school year's like ruined out of everyone. How would it make you feel if there was no summer camp? Um, I would understand, and I would like I would understand and, like realize why because like it's better to not go than like to get sick there and then it'd be even worse. But I would feel, I would, like, be really sad because I've looked forward to camp for so long. And, all and like, me and my friends have been looking forward to that for so long. And I just do it, like, every year, and this would be my third year going. So it'd be, it'd be fun to go, but I'll, I don't know if it's going to happen. My advice is to just, like, just, like, actually, I don't really have advice, but, um... <laughs> I got nothing. You got nothing. (laughs) But no, no, really no teachers have just been like, you guys are doing so good. We'll get through this together. It's like, okay. Is that how your teachers talk? Yeah. Even the guys? Yeah. (laughs) Come on. There's only one guy teacher. Okay, so listen. I thought for our mini episode that I would phone a friend because I'm going to be really honest with you. I am. I'm getting a little crazy. I, I'm struggling, I would say, this week has been hard for me. I'm, I'm hitting the wall. Even though I have organized every photo, I went through ginormous boxes of pictures. Um, those are all organized. They are all scanned into the computer. They are all backed up. They are categorized in my computer by child, by vacation, by trip. Uh, I mean, so I have done so much organizing at home. I've hit the wall. So I like, I don't like talking on the phone, but I have, I have realized I like Zoom. I do like seeing people. I feel like I'm being a little bit more social with them. And I know you don't like when I do Zoom, do you? No, I'm fine with it now. I mean, I've gotten used to you just like yelling, but you're having fun. But then Jason's just like sick of it. (laughs) My family's sick of me doing Zoom. And I'm just fine with it because, you know, I'm partially deaf now. Okay, so we are going to um, phone a friend. I am going to, I I put all these um, letters in this baggie. You can't see it at home, but I have a Ziploc bag with um, a letter from the alphabet A through Z. And we're going to just go through my contacts on my phone. And you're going to try to read some of the names on my phone to see. And we'll decide who we're going to call and see if we can get a hold of them. Um, See if they would join me. You're not going to be in on this because you're not going to know who any of them are. So pick a letter. Okay. Um, the letter is G. G. Do I have to read it perfectly? You have to just start reading some of the names that are in my contacts, and I'm going to take my other phone, and I'll start looking in my phone and go through some of the Gs as well. Even the last name. And let's see if this actually works. Well, you can show me. Let's see. Uh, Greg. Yeah, you could say that. Greg Gabriel. Oh, that would be good because he is the former uh, scouting director for the Chicago Bears. Um, let's see. I also have... Okay, I have Jeff Glick, who is my former producer at NBC Channel 5. Yeah, Jeff with a G, and his last name is also with a G. I also have Gordon Beckham, former White Sox baseball player. Oh, should do that. Is that yours? Okay, 
I have Grant DePorter, the uh, Harry Carey restaurant group. Yeah, I have that one. You have that one too? Okay. Um, no. I don't know who that is. No, I don't. There's some names. Isn't that weird that there's some of them that are... um, Oh, that's a guy that runs a golf pool. <laughs> we won't say his name out loud. Uh, I have Greg Blash, the former Chicago Bears uh, defensive coordinator. All right, let's see. Let's see if we're going to be able to get a hold of anybody. Okay, Stella, what do you think? Hello. Hi, I'm looking for Greg Blash. Oh uh, yeah, speaking. Coach, it's Peggy Kaczynski in Chicago. Do you remember me? Hey, Peck, how you doing? Oh, thank goodness I found you. Hey, do you have a se- do you have a second to come on my podcast? Just super catching up time. Nothing serious. Nothing tough. Sure. So my daughter picked a letter out of a um, baggie, and we went through my Rolodex. Okay, it's contacts now. I'm showing how old I am. And um, the, le- the letter was G, and this name came up, Greg Blosh, former defensive coordinator for the Chicago Bears. And I was like, what the heck? Let's try it. Greg, is this really you? Yep. Coach, Still how me. are you? How are you? I'm doing extremely well. It is so great to hear your voice. I, I want to tell our listeners, um, I covered you when I was working with NBC. I, I covered the Bears for 20-something years. And in uh, 99, I think it was 99, is that the year you started? You came to the Bears? Yep. With, yes, I did. With Dick Duran. Okay. And right. um, it, we had such a great time. Now, I will say this, Greg. You didn't really like the media, but I got along oh, great. No, no, no. I got I, along actually, great with you. Listen, actually, <laughs> I enjoyed you guys. The thing about it was this. I was the mother hen. But if you guys mess with my players, I had to come attack you. And so it wasn't like I didn't like you guys because I'm still close friends with a lot of you people. But it was just a, a, a position I was put in. You had some of the funniest lines ever. Uh, um, the time that you told us about uh, Miss Cleo, that that's where you got all your information from? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, was, what was it that you said? Do you remember that instance? Like, what were we questioning you on? I have no idea. And, and you, I, I really I don't remember, but yeah. You basically exactly because you said that uh, you don't get your information from the newspapers or from the media. You get it from right. Cleo. <laughs> I got to tell you, that was some great times. What are you doing these days? Um, and let me first catch up and see, you know, you're retired now. So how, how are you keeping busy? Oh, we've traveled. Um, I've gone to Africa three times hunting. We've been to Greece and Italy and all kind of places. Uh, we do one a year, you know, kind of trips. And we have kids up during the summer because we live up in the woods uh, on a lake. And it's just kind of um, staying busy. Honestly, when I first retired, I didn't know how I had time to work. <laughs> Isn't that something? It's like all of a sudden you say, well, how was I so busy before? Because I'm so busy now. So tell exactly. me, wait, did you just say that you went hunting in Africa? Is that for the big five? Yeah. No, no, no. I, I, I hunt planes games. Um, what does that I hunt mean? things we can eat. Okay, oh. like, uh, you know, things like 
um, Jim's buck and Bush buck and um, Oryx. I mean, there's different type of playing games that uh, I'd hunt. Elon, just all kind of stuff. Wow. But um, everything we hunted, the food went to the people, so which was really good. Oh, I love that idea. You said you, you like to travel. Um, did you have to put off any travel plans, or did you get stuck with travel this year because of COVID-19? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, we were driving this year, and we were actually in Baton Rouge when this all broke out. And um, actually, my son and I were in Texas hunting. My wife was in Baton Rouge, and she called me and says, hey, get back here. They're closing everything down. We need to get home. And so we loaded up the car and got back up here to the woods. Oh my and, um, yeah, so it's, it's the fact we were supposed to be going from Baton Rouge to New Orleans to Florida, but we cut all that short and got back here. And you're originally from New Orleans, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I thought so that my son was supposed to go to Tulane to visit and literally two days before we were leaving on the trip, they, they canceled everything. And, you know, he didn't get to go and visit, um, but boy, they were hit so hard right after Mardi Gras. Do you do you have family there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is everybody okay? And so far, so good. Yes. Mm. Um, I lost a high school teammate that really hit me hard to the corona, um, and that was upsetting. But um, he's the only real close person I know that has passed from it so far. It's just so, it's hard for all of us to kind of put into words. None of us have really been, had this kind of freedom taken away from us before. How, how do exactly. you, how is this going to, you coached for two decades. How are they yeah. going to do the NFL draft remotely? Um, and give me an idea what the coach's role is in the draft room. And how do you think this is going to change? How are they going to be able to pull this off? It, actually, for the actual coaches' process, it won't change at all because we were never in New York, you know, when they did this before. Uh, you had a representative that turned the card in. Now you do the card either by um, email or whatever, but it won't change a thing. The players, the biggest thing is the players want to all be collected in one place. That's the only real change. It feels kind of like fantasy football drafting when us idiots, <laughs> seriously, Greg, when, when I would do my fantasy football drafts, I would have 20 pages in front of me and it, it'd be split by my top, say, 40 players, um, all different positions. And then I would have them by player individually. And it seems like once your board is done, your board is done. And you, is there that much input from the coaches before a pick anyways? Well, it, it depends on organization. From organization to organization, uh, I've been at one place where we had no input at all. I've been in other positions where we, would, we had a lot of input. And it depended on the general manager, and it depended on the organization. Wow. Are you still watching games? I, yeah, I watch some. I, I rarely watch a whole football game. Uh, I, I, I get on my elliptical, and I'll watch the first half of one. And then... Uh, I might listen to the second half, but a lot of times I come in my workroom and just watch it on a computer, just keep track of all the different scores. And if something's getting really close, like the Packers, because that's what we get on TV here, uh, I'll go ahead and watch the two-minute drill. But other than that, I, I, I prefer to just watch the scores because the announcers drive me crazy. <laughs> 
isn't it great when I love hearing from football guys once they're retired and they become a fan in front of the TV, they, it must drive you guys crazy listening. But I thought, you know, hey, the announcers, they're former athletes, they're former players. They're, they're supposed to know it, don't they? Well, I'll tell you one. Tony Romo knows it. I yeah. tell you, I enjoy listening to Tony. He knows the game and he covers it like, a, you know, like a coach or like a player. Uh, a lot of the other coaches go in and, and their roles may be a little different. They have to be a color guy. You know what I'm saying? So they mm-hmm. have to come up with comments and different things. So it puts them in a little bit different position. But like for me, of all the guys right now, I love Tony Romo. I just think he does an excellent job. And uh, so when he's on, I, I enjoy it. The rest of the guys, I like to put my headphones on. And, and not all of them. That's not true. That's not, I don't, that's not true. Some of the guys, I like to put my headphones on and get on the elliptical and listen to the, the Temptations, you know, because there's some truth to that. Okay, so let me bring out the old Greg Blash now. Come on. Who do you really cannot stand listening to do a football game? Nobody that I just can't stand. But but there's each of the guys, they'll say something. You know what I'm saying? They'll say something that um, you kind of go, you know, that's not real yourself. Right. And it just kind of irks you a little bit. But no, there's none of the guys are terrible. Not a, not, none of them at all. Okay, so you went. Ha, 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 you know, I know, I tried. I tried. I'm like, yeah, you I still got it. <laughs> <laughs> you could still work the press conference, Greg. You could still work the press conference. Um, so you, well, if I'm correct, you went from Indianapolis, Chicago to the Redskins. Um, yeah. So, and now you're in the Green Bay market um, for to be able no, to watch. No, I'm way up in the woods. You're way, I'm way up. I from Green Bay. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh my gosh, you really are way up there. What do you do? I, I'm way up in the woods. What is it like, Survivor? No, it's not quite that bad. We have an IGA supermarket in town. We have about three churches and about six bars. Oh, gas <laughs> Wait a second. Okay. One grocery store, uh, six churches, three bars, or three bar, three churches, six bars. Three churches, six bars. <laughs> well, which is typical. My dad lives in Wisconsin. We still have a, a summer place in Wisconsin. So, um, yeah, it's which a city? Uh, near Portage. So near near okay, Portage, yeah. um, Lake okay. Mason, Mason Lake, um, used okay. to be great fishing. So, um, yeah, we've had a place up there for years. But that's the one thing I do remember is that you loved to hunt. And that was your off-season getaway. How often now are you getting out to um, hunt and to, to enjoy yourself um, during the year and not having to worry about football? Uh, it varies from year to year, but I usually get one big hunt a year, like to Canada or to Africa, and then I may do one in Wyoming or uh, Arizona or Texas or Mississippi. I, I do a, a lot of hunting. I, I was in Louisiana in January. I took my granddaughter, uh, who's 13, took her deer hunting. Wow. She got her first doe, and she was just really excited. What? But yeah, I'm sorry. Your 13-year-old granddaughter? Yeah. I love it. I well, she was, she she's been wanting to. Actually, I took it a year before, and we didn't get anything. And uh, this time she did, so it was really neat. Oh my goodness! How many grandchildren do you have, Greg? We have uh, twelve now. Oh my goodness! We had thirteen. We lost one to um, cancer, mm. and 
Yeah, and so um, anybody out there, St. Jude's is the best in the world. It's unbelievable. Um, I tell you, uh, I had an opportunity to spend a lot of time there, and I was just floored by the people. Wow. The, the love, the compassion. I mean, they there's no holds barred there. Mm. And, and we were one of those that lost ours, you know. Yeah. But anybody that 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 was successful will sing it even. I don't know if they can sing it anymore than we did, because they were so awesome. Wow. And so yeah, so the grandkids they're, they're all over everywhere. Um, we have three in California. We have uh, three in North Carolina. We have three in Hamburg, Germany, and then we have uh, one in. In Baton Rouge. Oh, I love it. Well, Greg, what is your, your adopted children, the, those uh, defensive players from the Chicago Bears, uh, your, your fondest memory of, well, you got to coach Brian, Brian Erlacher in his rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year season. Well, what's your fondest memory of the guys that you coached in Chicago? Well, I'm going to tell you what. In 2001, we had a defense that was just, unbelievable the chemistry uh the camaraderie it was it was something that was special uh that whole season um with those guys was something that was really really unique uh we had 9-11 happen and and it disrupted the season to and we were concerned that that would um be a big issue for the guys to get back into mentally playing football but these guys did it themselves i mean they they pushed each other they challenged each other and uh, in all my years of coaching, that was by far the, the best group I ever coached. Um, I've had, you know, Reggie White, that was a super player, but that, that combination of guys, Ted and uh, Brian and Warwick and Michael Brown and all those guys, mm. Green Jeans, you know, they were awesome. And um, there's times even now when I'm sitting here having a cocktail and a cigar, I reminisce about some of the, you know, days in those guys. I still say in touch with quite a few of them. Do you? I was just going to uh, ask you that. Who have you spoken to recently? Uh, Philip Daniels and I stay in touch. I communicate with Ted Washington. Uh, Brian and I text back and forth. Um, I haven't seen him since, uh, probably since the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. But uh, but we do, we still email and, and text stuff back and forth. What I learned it, to do that since I retired. Isn't that funny? <laughs> I know. All right. So I'm going to ask you, like, Philip Daniels, one of the nicest gentlemen, uh, such a calm man, uh, 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 such a good guy. Uh, what was he like to coach? He was, it was a pleasure. I mean, because he was like a sponge. You know, anything you said, he, he wanted. He wanted information. He wanted to get better. He wanted to be the best that he could be. And he was willing to work not just on the field, but in the classroom, in the weight room, his diet. Um, he was a consummate pro. And that's why when I went to Washington and he became available, uh, we, I brought him to Washington with me. Because he was like another coach in a room. He could take it, You could give him a rookie. And at times I would, I'd say, hey, you got so-and-so. Take him under your wing and help him. And he was just phenomenal at doing that he's coaching now isn't he is he coaching well he just got let go by philadelphia Ugh. because of politics because his d-line was the strength of their, their football team mm. early in the season when they were struggling with the secondary that was a group that kept them together so it was it was inside politics which happens in time in coaching yep um 
And so, yeah, so right now we're in the process of trying to get him relocated because he's an excellent football coach. I love it. So that means you're making phone calls for him. Well, there's nothing really happening right now, but, yeah. but yes, I would. Oh, yeah. I, I love it. Okay. I've sent a couple of emails out, and folks know, you know, they see the wire. Yeah. And you just and, and you just let them know. But it happened so late, most people were already, you know, had put their stance together. Right. All right. You also mentioned um, the the one guy, when people say to me, who like it's it's easy when people say who is the greatest uh, athlete that you ever covered or who who was your favorite player that you ever covered, uh, then when they would say who was the meanest guy you ever covered, I'd say oh Ted Washington, Ted Washington yeah yeah he was he was no. oh, for you oh, oh my God no oh by far by far <laughs> Greg he. He was so mean. He would try to do give us the stare down across the, the yeah. locker room. You know, he'd do that kind of stare down, and then he'd growl at us. I mean, it's the only time I have ever had a player actually growl when I say, hey, Ted, do you have a second? You know, let's talk about the game coming up. I was like, I turned around. I said, did he really just growl at me? I think he just growled at me. You're going to tell me he's a good, a good guy day. now, aren't you? Oh, he's an excellent guy. Oh, come on. If you ever want to go on, if you ever want to go on Facebook, he cooks two or three times a week, and his food is unbelievable. I may need you to, we may have to do like a, a makeup session here and have him come on. Um, and I am not convinced. I just, I, I, it's one of those people, it's going to take a lot to convince me that he was a nice guy. He was yeah, a yeah. tough guy, but I, like most athletes, they're guys that you want to go to war with. Um, and like most media, you know, they just hated us. So eh, I'll, I'll accept it. Let's move on. Cause I'm not going to make you say anything bad about Ted. Let's move on to. No, I, I, cause there's nothing I can think of to say bad about. Ted. Oh gosh. Um, let's move on to the greatest, um, player that I had the honor to cover. Um, Brian Erlacher. Man, just watching him blossom like he did and, and still staying as humble as he was, but yet you could see the, boy, that guy hated to lose. He hated to lose. Tell me your summary of Brian Urlacher. I am so proud of him uh, for just what you just uh, said. Uh, he blossomed. He got better and better. And all the stardom never, ever changed him. You know, he's, he's always stayed grounded. And that, I was so proud of him for that. Um, he, had, he was gifted with a lot of athleticism, but he used it in the right manner. And a lot of guys um, have that, and they don't use it properly. And, and he did, and he kept his humility. And that's, that's unbelievable. You see right now in this yeah. day and age, and a guy's tweeting and complaining, and whatever. Brian never, ever, ever complained publicly. No. You know, and that's always, I always uh, respected him for. If Absolutely. he had an issue, he'd come in and he'd talk to me about it and we'd talk about it. But yeah, he was, he was incredible, an incredible young man. Mm. 
I, it was it was one of those players for me to look back and say, you know, I covered Michael Jordan. I covered Brian Erlacher. Uh, I covered some of baseball's greats in Chicago and um, the, the hockey greats in Chicago with the Stanley Cups and the guys that were at the end of their careers um, who were, were great as well. So it's um, nice for us to be able to sit back on the couch now and look back and say, yeah, th- these were some really pretty amazing athletes that we were lucky enough to be able to work with. And Greg, I'm lucky enough that you picked up the phone. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. Oh, not a problem. Actually, I was looking at Sid's cell phone. I said, well, (laughs) let me see, because we have about five telemarketers an afternoon. And um, I was almost in. I said, well, let me just pick it up just to make certain. And I'm glad I did. I'm glad you did as well. I think of you all the time when my brother gives me uh, his venison, and I think about I, you used to give me some venison, yep. and um, yep. I think I may have given you some homemade split pea soup in return. Uh, I think that yes, was the you deal. Did. And yes, um, you did. It, it was so it, it was always nice to be able to chat outside of work, and uh, you were one of my favorites that I was able to chat with, and I can't thank you enough for picking up the phone. Uh, I wish you good health and i wish you and your family nothing but the best thanks for you take care all right greg and thank I you you calling well you know we don't always get a chance to to just pick up the phone and phone a friend and they actually pick up sometimes you just gotta bring in a family member go ahead and phone a friend. You know, Mary Schmidt of the Chicago Tribune had a column that I swear she was talking directly to me. And it was about to nag or not to nag, those that don't follow the social distance guidelines. This to me, I'm a little anal, so it's very frustrating. We are not used to being told that we cannot do things that people living in a free society are used to doing. And that means like coming and going as we please, hanging with your friends, boyfriends, girlfriends, seeing your grandchildren, uh, children that don't live with us, seeing your parents, uh, you know, it, it, it's just not natural for us to be told you can't see them. Um, It drives me a little crazy because we are trying really, really hard to follow the rules. Um, I find myself getting annoyed at everybody. I mean, everybody. It's like, hey, you, that's touching everything in the grocery store and then deciding to put it back that you don't want to buy it. And, oh, you don't have gloves on either? Oh, my God, you're driving me crazy. Uh, How about the one that has no mask and you're leaning over me trying to get something off of the shelf and you, like, basically bump into me to get what you want? Dude, I'm going to, next time, I'm going to turn around and smack you. I swear to God, it makes me scream. Is everyone adapting to the rules just to fit their own lifestyle? I mean, I feel like sometimes it's... Everyone is kind of looking at it like, well, it's not in my family. It's not in my neighborhood. It's not our virus. Believe me, this is frustrating for everyone involved. Please just try to follow the rules. I get it. We all have rules within our households. You know, it's like we don't tell other people how to raise their kids. Don't tell me how to live my life. I get it. I get it. I get it. And I am trying to be very accepting of what others do during COVID-19 shelter at home. Um, But it's not just about you and your loved ones. It may be about your neighbor. It may be about someone else and their loved one. And because of that, I'm asking you to please just try. The sooner we all try to follow the rules, 
the quicker life is going to return to normal. And like everything else in our life, I will bite my lip because none of us follow all the rules all the time. We do what works for us. And besides, it's okay to go 60 and 65 if the speed limit's 55. So why isn't it okay to just kind of bend one of these stay-at-home rules to make it a little bit easier? I know it's hard, but I'm just asking for the mental health of many of us, let's all just kind of try. Right, Stella? Right. Okay. Thank you for listening. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, TuneIn, and wherever you listen. We'd like to thank all of you for taking the time during COVID-19. And if you are sheltered at home, um, for, for doing what you can to benefit everybody. A reminder, right, Stella? What do they do if they like the show? If you love the show, please leave us a review. Go to ratethispodcast.com slash sportscaster and follow the simple instructions. Continue to follow us on Twitter and Facebook and the sportscasterandherson.com. Stay healthy, stay inside, try not to kill everybody, or try not to kill each other, not everybody. That would really not be good. Um, and you know what? Just listen, because everyone at this time, it's, it's tough. And sometimes all we need is for somebody just to listen. The Sportscaster and Her Son is brought to you by Electroflex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years. Makers of Liquitite Flexible Conduit, electrically connecting our world.